Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Al McCoy here, and you are listening to the Solar Panel, the Phoenix Sun Show. Hello, and welcome to another midweek episode of the Sun Solar Panel. As always, I'm your host, Dave King. You can find me at brightsideofthesun.com, as well as this podcast, Solar Panel. Always free, always fresh, and is presented by the Basketball Podcast Network. As you know, we do live interactive shows every Saturday. And uh, we do midweek ones with with other guests during the week as well, like this one. Today, our guest is Eric Pincus. He's a salary cap strategist, a writer for Bleacher Report. And uh, he is also an instructor and and host with the uh, Sports Business Classroom. Their big event you may have heard of is during usually during Summer League in Vegas, where uh, they they uh, they have a, a big major event there. Welcome to the show, Eric. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Sure. Uh, Eric, most of I mean, I've been following you for, I don't know how many years now, at least 10 years since I've been uh, around following this game and your work on the salary cap, your understanding of the salary cap teams, payrolls and all that has, has always been my go-to. I appreciate everything you've done. Of course. I thank you. Yeah. Yeah. You're welcome. Um, with the, uh, the reason I'm having you on today, the reason folks listening here, Suns fans listening here, the reason I have you on today is I want to talk about what's going on with the Phoenix Suns. We, they had a lot of, for some reason, we went into the offseason thinking, oh, the Suns have a pretty young team. They're very stable. Everyone's coming back. It's all going to be great. But there were actually a lot of contracts to negotiate over the summer for the Suns. Eric, Eric, uh, I'm sorry, um, Chris Paul. And then you've got, I almost said Eric Bledsoe. Why would I say that? That's been a long time. <laughs> but uh, you got Chris Paul. You've got Cameron Payne who needed to get re-signed. Then you've got your restricted free agents in, in DeAndre Ayton and Mikel Bridges. And then they um, acquired Landry Shamit and for some reason decided he, was, he needed money before uh, those guys. So that was interesting. Um, so the Suns went into the offseason. Last year they... We're in the bottom third of NBA teams in spending um, because it's a young team, unexpected uh, to to contend. They're going to be in the bottom third again this year, uh, and uh, but they are going to have to jump up when these extensions kick in for their young folks. So I wanted to talk to Eric a little bit about that, go through some questions I have, and, and what your take is, Eric, on what the Suns are doing. First, overall, uh, from a salary cap perspective, Looking at the future, looking into what the Suns are coming up to in terms of spending on the salary cap in the next few years, did it make sense not 
to give DeAndre Ayton a five-year max extension? Uh, from a certain point of view, <laughs> if you get the Star Wars reference, like it, you know, from DeAndre Ayton's point of view, from uh, I think most people's point of view in the industry, uh, they drop the ball here. But at the same time, from an economic point of view, from a math point of view, from a numbers point of view, like I understand their logic. It doesn't. It, it has merit. I'm not saying it's the thing that I would do if I was running the team because. You have to look, you know, I, I'm a salary cap expert. I study this stuff. I live in this stuff, but I have to understand, like, you can't run your team entirely off of this. It's just not, we're human beings, uh, myself included, and there's emotion. There's uh, a certain level of respect. You know, DeAndre Aiden feels slighted and disrespected. And if the Suns save a small amount of money, relatively speaking, in a lower extension to keep him, is that worth the negativity that you foster over the course of the next year? And the answer may be, you know, maybe, maybe, um, you know, he gets a max extension this offseason. They, they still have the power to offer that. Uh, but it sounds like they're looking at the market, of which it's very tight. There's almost no money. Uh, like, mainly, main two teams are like the Spurs and the Pistons. You might have a couple other teams that have a little bit of money, maybe, but there's just not a lot of money there. And, and teams can trade to get to money. And for someone like DeAndre Ayton, maybe you do, but there's just not a lot of money out there. And then the most that another team can offer is four years, lower raises, 5%, not a massive difference, 8% to 5%. The Suns can do 8% in raises, uh, but the Suns can do five years. Another team can do four. So there are differences in that contract. And since he's unlikely to get that money anywhere else, they have a lot of leverage to lock him in and, and get him long-term, maybe on an offer sheet that another team gives, they can match and just get him at a slight discount. Uh, the risk, I guess you could say, that they face is that he'll sign for one year on what's called a qualifying offer, which is for him, in his case, uh, about just under $17 million, right? So that's a good amount of money for the world and for you know most of us and you know if you pay me that amount for one year i'd be very you know more than happy set for life not a problem but we're talking about someone who's wants closer to 30 and is he someone who's willing to take that one year at that low amount to then leave the next year when more teams will have money and go have more of a say in where he goes and not have to worry about restricted free agency and can he can he'd still be limited to the four-year deal so it's it's a risk that the Suns are willing to take that he'll you know he'll he'll want to stay in Phoenix for say twenty five million a year uh, over four or five years versus going somewhere else uh, in another year's time after playing with the Suns for sixteen seventeen million dollars. So you know it, it's mathematically I get it from the Suns' point of view because they do have the leverage. And there's very little that a restricted free agent can do about it other than waiting a year on your money, which involves risk that, you know, you get hurt, risk that you don't perform as well. Uh, who knows? So um, personally, I think it was, you know, no brainer. I, I know that there's some debate over what actually happened. And I'll, I'll let you draw that out. Yeah. As the negotiation. <clears throat> so this is what we hear, right? None of us hear any firsthand uh, information, but Sam Amick did a really good job. Sam Amick of The Athletic did a really good job because he talked to Aiton's side. 
He talked to Sun's folks, and he, then he later talked to James Jones and Monty Williams directly. Um, and so a little bit was cobbled together, and basically Aiden's side was five-year max or bust. We don't want to discuss anything short of that. The reality is that in the past 20 years, only three other top overall picks did not get a five-year max extension the moment it was, you know, the summer it was available. Only three others. And those were either complete busts or injury, like Greg Oden. Uh, he was he had right. major injury issues. Uh, and then the others were uh, uh, Kwame Brown and, and I forget the third, but basically they were centers uh, and they were busts or injured. Aiden is neither of those. Never injured, not a bust, carried a team literally on his defensive back, carried a team to the NBA finals when they shouldn't have been able to get that far. But because he played so well defensively, yeah, look, uh, all credit to CP, all credit to Devin Booker. But the Portland Trailblazers have proven that it, it takes more than an all-star backcourt to get to the finals, uh, no matter how many injuries you might be facing against uh, on other teams. Um, it, it's hard if you don't have that two-level um, um, domination. And so and, and DeAndre Ayton did that. Um, so he now becomes only the fourth top pick ever not to get a five-year max. So the Sun side, or excuse me, the Aiton side was five-year max or bust because that's just what you got to do. James Jones floats out some interesting things. Now, I love how James Jones builds his teams, and I do want to ask you, I didn't put it on our list of discussions, but uh, our list of questions, but I want to ask you your, your impression of James Jones so far at some point later in the show. But he builds teams to win games, but he doesn't always need to win every transaction to do it. And he said some interesting things when he was beating around the bush of why they didn't agree to a contract. One thing James Jones said was, and I want to ask you your opinion on, is A, they did offer a three-year, or they did consider and wanted to talk to Aiton's camp about a three-year or a four-year max, but just not the five-year. Is there value to the Suns to offer a max, the same max, same money per year, the first three or four years, but not the fifth year. Well, <clears throat> so, you know, someone isn't being truthful um, or complete, or maybe they have their wires crossed because there are times where people miscommunicate and perceive one thing and both sides perceive it differently. You know, I'm married a very long time and that's certainly been known <laughs> to happen once or twice. Is, right. that, is that what you're saying? Right. Um, <laughs> It's just life, right? So we're, you know, so uh, I'm trying to credit them for not bold-faced lying. And I'm not saying James Jones is lying, but someone is lying. Uh, yeah. My understanding, uh, you know, Sam Amick's awesome. Love what, love Sam. And um, and he does great reporting. I can't rely on other people's reporting as, you know, as what I do as an analyst, I have to do my own research. Uh, I do read what other people say and I take it as as data points, but I can't just rely on it. I have to do my own investigation. And I have not talked to the Suns about this, but I have talked to other people on the Aiton side of the coin. And from what I understand, and, and again, they could be lying, they could be telling the truth, is that it never got to a discussion over Max. Like Max was never offered. So it wasn't a matter of the years. It was a matter of the money. Like if you don't get to Max, there's no point in talking three, four or five, if you're not even at the number that we're, we're supposed to be at. I don't know what's true. The way that James, you know, I read the article and I read, you know, James Jones was on record very clearly 
that they wanted, you know, it, I don't know about 100% clearly, but he was very open in words, you know, who knows exactly what, what the truth is or, you know, what the actual truth is, be, you know, between the two parties and what actually happened versus their own perception. I don't know the answer. Uh, I will say that I think there was a compromise available at the max, personally. That's my personal opinion. James Jones disputes that in his in, in the interview. So he wouldn't agree with me. And I wasn't on the phone with any yeah, of those people right. in those negotiations. So I can't possibly say with any sort of certainty uh, what's accurate and what happened, um, other than to say that they didn't reach an extension, clearly. that That's fact. The rest, you know, we can argue. To me, you have a franchise center arguably the best two-way center in the league, right? Like who's a better defender who can also get you between 12 and 16, 18 points, you know, whatever it is that, you know, you're, you're in this day and age, you're rarely going to run your offense through a scoring center other than like Embiid and, you know, Jokic scores a lot, but is also kind of their point guard. Um, you know, Gobert's another elite center. He's a defender and a screen setter. And, you know, Jared Allen got a lot of money, you know, for being a, a really good rebounder shot blocker on a team that's totally rebuilding. So, you know, it's, there's a gamut there. He didn't get full max Jared Allen, but like mm -hmm. Aiton should get more than Jared Allen. You know what I mean? And so the fifth year itself, like to me, if that was the linchpin, that's tomorrow's problem. Like it's not today's yeah. problem. It's just, I'm, I'm a big believer in my philosophy on how I view how to build a team, how to manage a, a set of books for a team is it's so hard to win in this league. It's almost impossible. Like it, it's just like the Suns. how many times have they gone to the finals in their franchise history? Right. Is it two, three, is it three, three, three. right, right, right. We have the, you got to uh, go back to 76, but yeah, yeah you got to go to the seventies, right? You have the, um, the, uh, the Barkley era, the right. Yeah, the Westfall. Era. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, and just now. So if you're going to get like what one every 15 years, is that roughly? Safe to say? <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. That's a, that's it, a 50 year span. So one every 25 years. Yeah. Boy. So, um, like that, that in, in your lifetime as an owner of a team or as a general manager of a team, your career, the odds are is you get one shot at it and that's it. And and we have what happened with golden state. We had what, what's happened with the Lakers and the Celtics through history. You know, there are, you know, the Spurs and what they did um, in that era. My anywhere LeBron was, you know, they got to yeah, the finals. Right, right. So, um, you know, but you the can Suns, count on one hand, how many of those teams there are. You didn't get right. very far. Right. right. Like, I mean, we could talk about, I'm sure there are other examples. Like, I mean, the Sixers have gone a little bit more than the average, but, you know, it's like it's been a long time for them, right? Was it like Iverson? Mm -hmm. So, um, I mean, I'm trying to think. It's The Rockets, I'd say, are a little bit higher than the average. But, you know, if we're talking about once every, you know, 25 years or 20, let's just say once every right. 20 years, some of those teams might be two times every 20 years or one and a half times every 20 years. You know what I mean? And if the Lakers are maybe five times every 20 years, like that's like still – it's nothing compared to what, you know, if you're trying to do every year, you're trying to win. So if you're in that position where you have that opportunity now, go do, do your thing, make the team do better. Everything. If you think, you know, you got Landry Shamit for nothing, basically, relatively speaking, Javon Carter is a good solid backup. Um, 
fine. Like improve the team. Keep they paid everybody almost, right? Like they gave Cameron Payne the money. Um, they 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 sight unseen gave Shamit money. Even though you know his contract's not bad, it's not all guaranteed. Um, it's only two years you know, guaranteed, yeah. Right. It's debatable. Is you know, I thought that the Chris Paul contract was a good compromise in, in how they worked that. Uh you know, they I mean they they did a reasonably good job of keeping the squad together, but they just didn't go all the way. And this is just not like a half-ass moment. It's just not, you know, it's, this is a whole ass moment. No, pardon my, you know, I don't know Mm -hmm. if that's a language thing or not, but it's like, don't worry about it. Yeah. Like just pay the guy and worry about later. So, you know, just to kind of backtrack, I had done some analysis uh, a year and a half ago, you know, basically after they got Chris Paul, uh, whenever that date was, um, you know, it might, it might maybe November of 2020. Okay. So not, it's only a year. Like, that's the thing is where <laughs> it feels like forever. Well, there were three <laughs> seasons. There was like two, uh-huh. I don't know. It, it, we were still, the schedule's off a little bit, but in, in normal terms, we're it was touching a year and a half. three seasons yeah. in barely over a year. Yeah. Right. Right. So, uh, okay. So it must've been around December of last year. Uh, I, so 11 months ago I had done an analysis of like, okay, they got Chris Paul, what if this works? Uh, what does Chris Paul want? I think in June I wrote a story that Chris Paul was gonna was planning on opting out, and that was the first uh, nationwide report that that was happening. And ultimately, he did. And that I had written that he was looking for. I think I had written that he was looking for three years, hundred million or something like that. And uh, ultimately, they settled on a reasonable compromise. He got more than that, but it's not all guaranteed, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but when I ran that math, I was like, they're going to be in the tax. This is a team that has no history of being in the tax. They have no history of being a team that's willing to be a, a, a top spender. So I don't know if they're going to be successful, but if they are, they're probably not going to be able to keep Chris. And so they're going to need to find another point guard who can do what Rubio did, what Chris could do, etc. And that was like my thought pattern. And then they went and, you know, killed it in the regular season, killed it in the playoffs. It took advantage of teams that were hurt, certainly the Lakers and some other teams. Uh, but that, you know, it's there, you go through history and, and every some of the championship best champ- has, right. Has the Warriors first run was way. against Warriors. First run was against everybody who was hurt. Um, the Lakers, when they won their first with Kobe and Shaq, didn't have to get through Duncan that year. You know, it's, you know, you just go through the list and um, there's always somebody, you know, that, that you mm-hmm. get around. Uh, but they, you know, they were successful. You have you have the opportunity to pay everybody. You leave out Aiton. Like, is he not a sure thing? I mean, there is no sure thing. But he's a solid. I mean, the way he was able to play through the finals and the yeah. playoffs. Most importantly, forget the stats on the rebounds, the field goal percentage, the blocks, just the minutes, minutes per game. It's really hard to get a center to stay on the floor in this game because of foul trouble, because of the way the team spaced the floor. He was able to play minutes, and he's and he wasn't playing against like nobodies, right? He was playing against Anthony Davis before he got hurt. Uh, he was playing and against Andre Giannis. Drummond for yeah, depending on who they right. matched up on. Then um, Jokic, right? Like and he and he was staying on the floor against uh, you know elite talent and doing what he needs to do. They got bogged down in the tomorrow of it. Now you could argue like, um, you know, he's a designated player and there's limitations to how many designated players you can have. And it's like, who else are you trying to get? Like you have the team now, you have the three stars that you need, you have good role players. 
like go and and move out of Dario Saric's contract if you need to get out of money. And I'm not saying, mm-hmm. you know, I don't like Dario, but he's hurt and he's $9 million next year. Um, mm-hmm. If you had to get out of Jay Crowder, I, I'm not recommending, you know, I like Jay Crowder on this team, but like there are ways to save money. And like the Jalen Smith move is a way to save money. I don't think they handled it the way that I would recommend uh, not picking up his, his option, but like there are ways out of money. Taking it out of your your best player's pocket doesn't make any sense. And and even if you're like, well, well, we have leverage and we'll pay him over the summer and we'll get a slightly better deal. Like, fine, if you save fifteen percent, ten percent, twelve percent, eight percent, was it worth all the headaches that it brought? What are we chasing here? You know, like right. you you have to look at the down and the up. Is the up bigger than the down? Okay, fine. It's not. All right. But how close? In this case, to me, the down is bigger than the up. It's just not a big... You're going to be in the tax if you're going to keep this team together. If you don't believe that you're a championship team, then why'd you pay Chris? Then you know, I mean, it's like, don't right. don't pay Chris. Fine. I, I thought you should pay Chris. Pay Chris. Pay DeAndre. You know, pay Bridges. Keep mm-hmm. paying. You, 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 you half-assed. You got close. You got right to the spot. Just give Aiden yeah. the money. Well, and then no they blinked. They right. did and the that, early and, ones, and then they blinked. Right. So I, it, it is. It, it's the choices that they made. I don't, you know, I can't say this is the right or the wrong because you just don't, you know, you don't know, and it's hard to judge. And you find out sometimes two, three years later. You, a lot of these decisions that teams make, they won't know the result. But to me, it's just, you know, to kind of wrap up the answer is like it's so rare to get this opportunity, and. The West is not, you know, on paper going into the season, the West is not that strong. It's just well, not nope. like yeah. you believe the Lakers are good with Westbrook or you believe they're bad. It depends. Uh, I'll give the Lakers the benefit of the doubt because they still have LeBron and AD, and if they're healthy, they're legit. After that, no Jamal Murray probably with the with the Nuggets. I don't expect him back. No Kawhi with the Clippers. That's two of the contenders are out or, or are probably, you know, not out, but they're not at their best. And then, you know, you've got, Utah who have yet they've yet to prove that they can win in the playoffs and you start going down the list is is Porzingis ready you know you look at the list and it's like Suns should be a contender and so why are you messing with things why are you messing with the chemistry exactly I mean it's gonna it's such a small window just exactly what you just said just keep them together see how long it can last you're already they've got the ability in two years to get out of all of Paul pain and uh shaman if they want to why would you why would you even think about saving money on your 22 year old you know that's that's already one of the best two-way players in the league it just doesn't it doesn't make sense uh, they just they just ended up ended up shitting the bed um so let's let's talk about the there's a new tv deal coming in what 2025 uh something like that it's scheduled for that would line up with the last two years of a five-year max uh, the max is based on today's salary cap, not in the not the future one. Should shouldn't that have factored into the Aiden discussions where they don't care? Just give him whatever he wants in years four and five because hmm. the cap is going to be so much higher than it is today because the negotiations sound like the TV deals are going to go way way up. So it's it's kind of like talking out both sides of the mouth here. Like you you can't really worry about five years down the road. Because like we don't know, there's going to be a new CBA before then, right? The collective bargaining agreement expires in December of 2022. So basically, within a 
13 months. The league and the and the players union will decide if they want to end it after next season, so not this season, the next season, or let it finish out on its own after three seasons. So we either have, including this one, either three seasons or two seasons. What that new deal will look like is impossible to say. We can guess. We could say it won't change a lot. Who knows? But it will change, and the system will be different. Additionally, the TV deal, which is you know, like it, it, a, a basketball year, there are like some major dates. You know, you have your draft and free agency. You have the trade deadline. Uh, it's it's there. It, it's a lot to process to like even project next year, let alone two years. Like it's hard to project two years from now. Start projecting three, four, five. You know, with the new TV deal, it can be almost impossible. So really, the decisions that are made should be made on like the next one, two, three years not four or five, which kind of says to me, like, why are we arguing over the fourth or fifth year with DeAndre Ayton? That's, like, ridiculous, right? Um, you could say that maybe they didn't want to do a max where he could have made more than 25% of the cap because he could have qualified perhaps as Defensive Player of the Year this year or an All-NBA player. Maybe he, maybe they didn't want to offer more, like a, what they call a Supermax. It's not quite a Supermax, but like a Supermax. Yeah. Maybe that was the line, and if that was the line that they set, in my opinion, if Aiton was offered like a, a max deal that wasn't super max, in my opinion, his representatives would have taken it. But that didn't sound like what uh, James Jones was saying was available to them. So, mm. you know, we can debate all that, and and maybe you know maybe from the Suns' point of view, it's that extra bump over the 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 twenty five percent to thirty percent that was the issue for them. I don't know, but that said, like. The next two, three years are really where you need to focus because that's where you're going to be paying the tax, right? Uh, this year, you're not going to pay the tax. You pay Aiden. Next year, you're paying the tax. The year after, uh, you do get some relief because there are some players who come off like you know, Crowder and Charge. So really, it's like one year of tax that right. this decision was made off of. And if you look, I, I can't see the Suns projecting that far down the line in this decision when it comes to a new TV deal, because it is too abstract. Uh, some have worried that you know, ratings are down for ABC, TNT, all that. Uh, and then others are really optimistic that you know, gambling sites and and um, you know the Amazons of the world and who knows the way that streaming is working, uh, there may be opportunity that could dwarf the system now and could push Max money into crazy territory. If you're running a financial analysis of the Sun's books over the next three years, four years, none of that matters. You know what I mean? It's not going to impact, yeah. you know, how you're going to do it. It's only so next I, I think, year that really they should have been focusing on. Right. And and like if it works and you, you keep Chris and you keep Cameron and, and this team is elite for a couple of years and you want to keep investing 2023, uh, 2024 and beyond, like it's because you've had major success. Right. So and they've already had major success. It's like they're they're uh they're acting as if they didn't make the finals this past year and have the same team coming back with just as much chance, right? Like it's like the Suns are 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 drinking everyone else's Kool-Aid and saying, Well, we got lucky to make the finals. We're really a first round out team. I if mean, you're well, a first I mean, round out team, you don't invest <laughs> big. They invested they in were, everybody. Except one guy. <laughs> Except one guy. So, the one guy yeah. they should have invested in. So, you know, it, it, what you're saying is half true. It's like, yeah, I mean, 
clearly they believe in what they did and clear like they gave Chris a substantial deal and they negotiated a, a good compromise on it. Um, I mean, I'm looking at it and it's like, you know, Bridges is a good extension. It's it's a little above the average for someone at his position and for someone who isn't as elite a scorer. They're basically paid a premium for winning and for his growth. Uh, if you look at what the other wings of his ilk got, like Gary Trent Jr. and Norman Powell and Evan Fournier, and they're all different players, and Bridges is probably the best defender of that group, uh, but he's not the best scorer of that group. So, you know, it depends on what you value. Usually players get paid off of scoring, not being yeah. a better defender. So, but they they worked a reasonable contract. They paid a slight, uh, almost a percentage, like a winner's, winner's tax. Uh, you know, in his contract, it's a little higher than it would have been if they had just been a one and done, you know, one, one made the playoffs, got knocked out by the Lakers. He, maybe he gets, you know, 6 million less or 8 million less on the whole deal, in my opinion. Uh, but he, he got a good deal and for him, and he got a reasonably good deal for the Suns. and Payne got a very you know, nice deal for a guy who was barely in the league a second ago. Uh, Chris, like I said, good compromise. The the Shamit extension, you know, I'm not someone who's necessarily going to give an extension to someone uh, who I haven't seen sight unseen, but no, they, you, you know, but they the did give him a very, you know, it's not it, basically if you're looking at what the market is, they gave him a, a little bit, you know, r roughly around mid level money, but on a very short deal, except it's long if they want it to be, you know, it's like you you have the best of both worlds, you have them for four years mm -hmm. additionally. Uh, or you have him for two years additionally. I mean, that's a that's a good contract for for the team. It's a very favorable contract. So, you know, they I, I don't dislike what the Suns did. They just need to take one additional step, lock in Aiton, worry about the the tax later, and then this additional move with um, Jalen Smith is not great either. But um, you know, it is you know it is what it is. All right, quick break here. NFL fans, are you hungry for a big win this week? You've been gambling, and now you just want to get more and more money. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, has you covered. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game. And if they do, you win $200 in free bets of your own. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. It's that simple. They win on, on your $5 bet. They win. You get $200 in free bets. And you can play for huge cash prizes all season long with daily fantasy sports contests on DraftKings. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. That's T-B-P-N. Bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game, and you win $200 in free bets. They win, you win. With promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or PA only. Arizona's fine. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Let's talk about Jalen Smith a little bit. So this week, the Suns decided to decline the uh, third year of Jalen Smith's uh, rookie contract. As a first-round pick, you're given two guaranteed years based on your draft slot. And for the 10th overall pick, it's a little over $4 million a year for the first two years with a small increase in year two. And then it's only a little bit more in year three, like, and then year four gets bigger. So a lot of busts from the first round 
will get non-guaranteed for their fourth year because the third year is still generally reasonable. But Jalen Smith, they they uh, the Suns are the only team to not guarantee the third year of a first round pick since like 2005. <laughs> And they've done it three times now. Now, the first two times are more than justified. Kendall Marshall, not an NBA player, didn't turn out to be. Earl Clark didn't turn out to be an NBA player, no matter how talented he was. Well, you know, I know those guys. They play for the Lakers. I mean, before Kendall Marshall got hurt, before Kendall Marshall got hurt, he was a very solid point guard for the Lakers. He he was, I I, I think that, I think they drafted too high on Kendall Marshall. Like, he was probably like someone who should have been a, you know, 34th pick and, you know, like yeah. a second high second round pick and who would have been a very solid, um, you know, emergency starter, uh, kind of like, you know, in a Rondo type role, like a, a non-scorer who's a legit, like he legit sees the floor, or at least, you know, he did. He legit see the floor, saw the floor better than a lot of other players. Like he understood the game better than a lot of players. I don't think he had necessarily the physical gifts to really be a high-level point guard. Earl Clark was like Mike D'Antoni's favorite in L.A. And I just, you know, I think that, again, like I wouldn't have declined Earl Clark's option. You know, I'm bust is, I'm not a big fan of the word bust. I know Kwame Brown will probably come after you now. Like Kwame was really good at what he did. He just was drafted too high for, for you know, what he brought. Uh, But, you know, he was one of the best post defenders uh, of that era. I mean, he was like huge centers had a lot of trouble getting around Kwame Brown. He wasn't a great scorer. Uh, fine. But, you know, the game is more than just scoring. So, uh, but that said, like, the way that the, the the Timberwolves handled their situation with Jarrett Culver, who was a fourth-year option, not a third. We're talking about the thirds, but same idea. They realized they didn't, you know, have the success that they expected with this player. and they traded him and it wasn't like some massive trade, but they got Patrick Beverly and Patrick Beverly is somebody who brings specifically what the wolves were just miserable at is defense, right? They needed veteran leadership and they needed defense. Now we could debate whether or not Patrick Beverly is like a, a positive defender in how he plays kind of like an Avery Bradley where like they do some things that are really, really good defensively. show up. Right, and but it's a question as to like how do they actually impact the defense on the team? Like, there's some analytics that you can argue it's not as impactful as it looks, but on the eye mm-hmm. test, it. But if that he's not necessarily on the Wolves to change like the math of their defense as much as to change their mindset of their defense and to to guide them and lead. So they got for them a valuable short-term role player for a player that they were going to decline an option on. They sent him to the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies declined the option. You know, they could have taken a flyer and, and seen, but this is where they're at. They got compensated to get out of that player or to pick up that player. You know, the, the Wolves got out of the player. And so if you weren't believing in Jalen Smith, like wh- where were you at the draft? Where were you in free agency and all right. the summer? You have to trade a player like that because otherwise you're wasting an asset. Like Jalen Smith was the 10th pick uh, in 2020. So we're talking about uh, like legit. I don't know. Is it a year? Is it a year now? It's like, I guess that draft was barely. In, yeah. It was right November. There. It was barely right. a year. So, Less than a year. Right. So 
if if he was like I don't know where he was on every team's draft board, but he certainly wasn't like thirty five. Like he was probably one through thirty. Yeah, yeah, he's probably in like the ten to twenty range, or you know, eight to to fifteen range. Who knows? Somewhere on every board, it was. But he was a lottery pick or thereabouts for most teams. You're going to tell me that like the the Thunder wouldn't have just taken him for nothing, you know? Like, okay, fine, maybe there you get a second round pick out of it. To me, like you've right now, his value is such that um, the the way it works when you decline a player's option is that you still have their rights. The most you can pay them is the amount that was declined. So uh, he, the most he can be paid right now is for, uh, in free agency is $4.7 million, roughly. That's the by amount the they declined. By the Suns or by anybody? By any, well, no, 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 by the Suns. By the Suns. Okay. Any team can pay him whatever they want. You know, they, can, they could sign him away. But the Suns are limited in what there's no way around it. There's no like you can use cap room, you can use exceptions. Uh, there's a limit to what they can pay him. And so, you know, if we go back far enough, uh, Devin George with the Lakers in the early 2000s was, uh, you know, a young player who was super athletic, had good height, but wasn't really important to that team. They were winning with Shaq and Kobe and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, at some point, you know, they, they made the same decision. I don't think it was, a, I forget which option, if it was third or fourth, probably fourth. They declined his option. And then they realized as that season began that all of their role players had aged out and that they needed George's athleticism terribly. Like they, he was very valuable, not because he was this incredible basketball player, but they had the opportunity to add a young athletic six foot eight forward was they, they had no other path to that and he was a good player he just wasn't a great player mm -hmm. so at the time that you could use your you know the rules were different they they used their mid-level exception to re-sign him you, you can't even do that so they 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 changed the rules that you can't do that at the time you could and so the lakers basically wasted their only spending tool that next summer to keep to pay Devin george whereas they could have opted him in and then used that mid-level to pay someone else so uh that's like just one example of like if you have jalen smith he might become available and like there's no money next this offseason maybe he gets like a 10 million dollar offer if he somehow like knock on wood there's you know there's let's say there's an injury and he ends up starting and they end up going to the playoffs and he you know like i don't think that's going to happen but right. it, you know it's it's but but it what's could. the right and if you're gonna have him under contract right like Keep him under contract. Keep him on his rookie scale contract, and trade him. And then that let you know that other team can opt him in, and they could develop him. And he's worth more in that circumstance. So, you know, just there's a reason why it happens so rarely. The guy is <laughs> like, well, so like there there could be like a player who has like you know off court issues that are overwhelming and well known in the league, where it's like no one's going to touch this toxic guy because he's done bad things and he's a bad dude. Well, but just that, two years ago. Just, uh, that's not Jalen Smith, to be clear. We that's not Jalen Smith. Yeah, I know it's not. Jalen Smith is like a choir boy. But two years ago, Josh Jackson. So James Jones took over the team as uh, as the GM after Ryan McDonough drafted Josh Jackson number right. four overall um, in 2017. He's about to enter his third year. They, they That one had been guaranteed, but he had off-court issues. He uh, 
hot boxes kid and all that stuff is reportedly um, James Jones offloaded him to the Grizzlies for cap space, basically found a taker to take him for cap space, which is, which is weird because that's what they could have done with Jalen Smith. Even if the worst case happened, somebody would have taken him and given him the cap space back. But at least you've got him guaranteed for next year on a reasonable contract. If he turned out to be a good player. So I just, I'm kind of floored as to why the Suns didn't actually do this third year guarantee. Cause it's only, I mean, 4.7 million. Now, if you're going to look at it from a totally accountant point of view, 4.7 million is roughly mid pack in the NBA. Is he a mid pack NBA pay player? No. Um, does he cost more because the next year's a luxury tax year? Yeah. It's four, that 4.7 million could actually cost the Suns 9 million. But the problem is you have to replace him with somebody. And if you're going to do veteran, even better minimum signings, that's at least 2 million. So how much money are you really saving by not having right. him on the, on the roster? Well, a, a veteran minimum is, is going to hit the, the, the books for a team at about 1.7 next year. And so when you factor in tax, you know, I get it. Like I, I it's not that I don't get it. Like Does it, luxury tax apply to veteran minimums. Yeah. They apply to the two year veteran veteran minimum number. So for instance, let's say, if a team, if a player signs on a one-year veteran minimum, right, you could sign for two, you don't get a discount. But if you sign a player for one, they can earn up to as much as two point six, almost two point seven, and it will only count against the cap and the tax as one point seven because that's what it, that's what it costs for a two-year veterans minimum. So someone who has two years experience, it's a way to okay. that, it's a way to encourage teams to sign older older players. Mm -hmm. So like for instance. Um, like, um, you know, JaVale, well, I guess JaVale got more than the minimum this year. So uh, Dwight Howard with the Lakers. Dwight, um, yeah. Dwight's getting 2-6. They sign him for one year. He hits their books for about 1-6, 1-7, and they're paying tax. So that difference of a million dollars, they're paying enough tax that it might be, they might be in the three or four times tax bracket. So mm -hmm. let's say it's three times 1 million or four times 1 million. So three or 4 million plus the salary, you know, if it's if it's two point six, now you're paying like almost five six million dollars for the player. Whereas now, if it's um, you know, if it's just one point seven, the tax is lower. You're saving a certain amount of money. There is tax on it, but so it's, are you paying tax though? Number. So if it if you get them, like you said, the one year veteran minimum, the cap hit the gen the state straight cap hit is one point six one point seven, but if you're in the three times tax bracket. Are you paying three times that one point six yeah, or one point seven? Yes, but you're, you're all you're are. not paying you're not paying three times two point six four po right, or yeah, two point right. seven or four point seven in Jalen Smith's case. So right. and, it could just be that they're looking at that could be four, six million dollar difference right. right there. And like there's there are some players you're better off like uh like there's different philosophies of saying like if you have to pay to offload an as asset, don't do it. You know, and, and I'm I or I guess a liability in this case, right? Like you have a player that you need to yeah. offload. You view them as a liability because of the tax in this case. You don't want the player anymore. Is it better to just eat the money or is it better to trade them and to send a second round pick? Is it better to send a first round pick? Like there's there are lines where, it, like if it's a massive contract and you have an opportunity to use that money in a much better way, then maybe it's worth giving a first. You know, I wouldn't trade Kevin Love if I'm the Cavs and a first 
because they, what are they going to do with the money that they would gain? They, they don't actually gain any spending power, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Uh, but you might have a, a situation where uh, you have a team that is heading into free agency, and if they can move some players, they can go sign a you know all-star, a Hall of Famer. And so, yeah, you trade a first to create the room for that player. So there are, you know, in, in this case, it's about tax. It's not necessarily the flexibility of uh, they don't gain anything in the terms of like, oh, they can replace him with something specific, but they do save money. And, you know, those are our legit concerns, but there are ways to do it that I, you know, I, I think Jalen Smith has, it's a shame like that you, you wasted a pick like either draft do a better job drafting mm -hmm. if he's not the guy where uh, less you know, basically a year ago you drafted this guy number 10 why was your player evaluation so off that you want to dump this guy you after you can't even year? wait a year before or are you away. that focused on the bottom line that you're like yeah he's good but we really need the money you know this budget wise we just can't afford him even though we like him, even though we our scouts were right and we can develop him, it's ownership doesn't want you know whatever whoever makes the decision doesn't want to pay that amount of money. Fine, find a trade. You should have already gone into this knowing your numbers. Right. It was like if you're keeping Chris and all these other players, and if you are planning on keeping Aiden, whether it's giving him an extension now or signing him as a free agent later or matching an offer sheet that another team gives as a you know restricted free agent fine you know these numbers go ahead and trade him and i i i, I find it hard to believe that if jalen smith if he was put on the market around free agency around the draft and they weren't asking a lot they just wanted him off their books but we're looking for something mm. i i struggle to believe that they couldn't have found something at the same time i'm not on the phones i'm not the sons you know I, I can't speak to, you know, I don't have all the information. So I'm, I'm operating off of uh, a certain amount of assumptions. So, you know, the Suns could be listening and saying, yeah, we tried. We called every team. No one wanted him. The kid is doesn't work hard. I don't know. I, I'm not don't want to put any of this on Jalen Smith. But, yeah, right. You know, from the Suns point of view, maybe the kid doesn't work hard. We don't believe in him. Our scouts, you know, we made the wrong choice. We've done pretty well as far as our other picks. But this particular pick. Uh, we blew it and we we're willing to accept that and we're just going to eat it rather than pay to get rid of him. And there's no market for him. I, maybe that's the truth. But Personally, to decide I don't now that there's not going to be a market next year for 4.7 million for a 22 year old. I don't know. It's just short side. I think I, in my opinion, um, again, it's all just speculation. I don't have inside knowledge either, but from watching Robert Sarver for the past 17 years, my opinion is that it was the mathematical rubric is all is we can get so much more for 4.7 million than Jalen Smith. Let's just not have him on the, you know, as, as right. something to worry about next year. I mean, that seems the more likely thing. I, I, I know Sarver's reputation is, is that he's spent thrift. He doesn't want to pay. He doesn't have the interest in paying uh, exorbitant fees. Doesn't have the stomach for the luxury. This is the reputation he has around the league. But reputations don't always match reality. And I don't know Sarver. I've seen him at Staples Center up close a couple of times, walked by him or whatever, but I've never had like a lengthy sure. heart to heart. I, you know, I know Jalen Jones minimally, 
minimally no Jay, you know i know jalen jones from his time as a player and since you know i i operate out of los angeles out of staples center lakers and clippers uh i know the the teams and the players who played in the west a little bit better than i know the players who played in the east as far as interpersonal sure. relationships you know i just didn't see them as often uh so i don't know jalen partic- particularly well uh he has a good you know good reputation for for what he's done like the Cameron Payne pick was kind of scoffed at when it was made uh drafting a a a senior i think he was a senior you know 20 he was like 24 23 or something like that he was older older player that high they Cameron reached. Johnson oh sorry my bad Cameron Johnson no it's okay Except, yeah uh yeah they drafted Cameron <laughs> that Johnson that was scoffed at uh, at the time but right and um but he was you know a good pick he was like then there's something to be said for like identifying the player you want not believing the mocks going out and getting you know maybe they could have traded down two three five spots but there's a point where you're risking losing the i don't have a problem with that they went out and proved like okay this was the right pick the some of the some of the players they have are due to ryan mcdonough um and love or hate him uh you know i'm not sure where you fall on that you know i've worked with ryan pretty closely and have a good relationship with him and looking back like Aiton and Bridges and um and Booker are like you know the cornerstone pieces and oh, we can sit here yeah, right. yeah we could talk about like okay not every pick was a, a winner like Marquise Chris Josh Jackson well like find me a team that hits on all their picks they just don't it's just not like it's a it's a lottery for a reason like it's hey let me ask you a question you mentioned you've got a good relationship with ryan mcdonough over the years i'm not going to speculate on how personal it was or how how in-depth it was but we've always wondered and i don't know if you know the answer to this who picked eight was it sarver saying it's going to be aiden was it mcdonough saying it's going to be aiden or was it james jones speaking into sarver's ear do we know yet who picked Aiden? You know, I I I don't I don't know the answer to that. I know that like ultimately when you're the GM, every GM will tell you like their decisions are a battle of competing interests that there are a lot of voices because your scouts are either unified or split on someone. And so if they're unified, you've got a tremendous pressure because you pay these guys and you trust these guys and you and mm-hmm. and work with them all year uh, and then you have an ownership group where it might be unified or it might not be and so you might have a majority owner you might have minority owners uh screaming in your ear you might literally have and this is something i've heard not related to the sons one of the owner's sons calling up like the gms saying you have to take this guy like like literally like 10 minutes before their pick or whatever you know like it's it's just yeah. or you know like just chaos uh you have a some level of advisors to the ownership who are in their ear that are trying to get their voice heard and don't agree with the this is not like what happened here it's all not the just variables. three people in a room is what you're saying it's like a ton the, of people yeah. and, and it's in. it's the general manager's job to kind of filter it all through and make the decision now some owner like some owners will make the decision period and it's not you know and sometimes the the gm is essentially the middle management like i i work with somebody who is with a team right now and who who um i have a relationship uh when they weren't with the team 
a professional relationship. And, and, and basically that person characterizes like the job of GMing as complete middle management. Like you literally, you're doing the bidding of the ownership group. You're taking the advice of your scouts and trying to just get to decisions that ultimately you have to live with. They're on your resume, but ultimately may not have been anywhere what you personally would want to do. Like it's a politician's job, you know, like, you know, a politician may have a set of beliefs, but they have to, uh, you know, deal with their, their voter base. Yeah, they have to deal with their party base. Yeah. You know, there's, there are things that you do that sometimes you have to hold your nose and make a vote on something that you don't believe in. And that's part, that's the dirty part of politics is no different in this particular position. And so I don't know the answer specifically. I've never said to Ryan, like, Hey, you know, were you forced into any, you know, any, I know that, you know, he's, he has no ill will towards the sons. He might not like certain aspects of, of what went down and certain things that happened. But as far as like, he's still, if you follow his Twitter, yeah, you'll see he's like, he's fan. pretty, he's pretty actively rooting for the Celtics and the Suns Cause he worked for the yeah, Celtics right. before. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but that said, like, you know, like he's has a lot of, you know, pride in what was accomplished here. And, and I, I try to like, you know, we all introduce him on a panel cause we work together in sports business classroom. And I'll, I'll say like, you know, this is, you know, he deserves some recognition, whether you like what he did. And it's just, you know, like there are teams like Minnesota, Sacramento have had lottery pick after lottery pick and some of them have hit and some haven't hit, but the results been the same, no playoffs. Right. right. And so, you have to give a certain amount of time for, for things to develop. Uh, and if you're impatient, I don't know how much of this is to blame on Sarver. I know that ultimately you have to really blame whoever's in charge. And the reality is, is that whoever owns the team is in charge more so yeah. than the general manager. Nobody uh, can fire the owner though, unless right. some crazy well, yeah, stuff I, comes out. And I, you know, there, I have no idea what's in these reports. Uh, whatever this story is, that's going to come out. It's going to come out. Who knows what's going to happen? I don't know if there's something so damning or such a like a, in this case of Donald Sterling, there was a smoking gun of his voice on tape saying right. things that were unseemly, completely and, unavoidable. Yeah, right. And even that was a difficult, um, mm -hmm. I don't think decision, but um, path for the league to get him out of ownership. And like Mark Cuban wasn't even a hundred percent on board with getting rid of Donald Sterling simply because he doesn't like the idea that the league could you know, vacate you of your property, something that you, you know, and I, I get, I yeah. mean, I, I get that, you know, I, I Donald Sterling needed to go, but I also understand the point of view of like, you know, there are people tweet stupid things, you know, I'm not, I don't want to get into like the concept of cancel culture, but you don't want to be canceled as an owner and have someone take your billion dollar investment away from you. You know what I'm saying? Now, if you do something that's so outrageous, Right, like you, you know, we can go to the extreme. See, Sterling's like, was over thirty years. Like his wasn't an, in, an individual instance. But they, Heck, you know, they, they wanted they tried to get rid of him for mo uh, you know twenty of those thirty years. <laughs> they just <laughs> right. had no means to. And it didn't. And it finally, didn't even. It finally took when his voice was on tape. Right. You know, I, I don't know that there's anything. I don't know what Sarver is quote guilty of, given that there's no allegations yet, other than reports, yeah. rumors of reports. And even if there are reports, that doesn't mean that he's guilty of those reports. You know what I mean? Right. Like I, you, just, you just have to treat it like, yeah. and, and if, and if we get into the fact that this is, if it becomes a legal issue, which I have no idea that it would, then that, you know, you have like the responsibility to present things un, under the system of, you know, the legal system and, and actually having 
you know, so I, I can't even imagine, you know, I can imagine pathways, but I can't guess what pathways. So I do know that they came out really strong with their denials on something that was never even reported, which was right. Extreme. Um, I, you know, I can't tell them how to handle, you know, crisis management situations. Maybe they were advised. Well, they were using some keywords. They, they got enough people using keywords that uh, make lawyers get scared, you know, because of, uh, you know, the, the libel and, and slander or whatever it is, you know, um, the, the son's defense of the, of the report of right. the report was basically, right. but I mean, if you can't if prove something this, is, you're, you're out. <laughs> right. Right. Whereas if it's true, there's not libel if it's true, you know what I mean? So like, but what's true and true and what actually you can prove is true are different things. So, yeah. Right. You know, it, 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 I, you know, I'm, I hope for the best. I hope that there's nothing that, um, you know, has, you know, I, I, I'm just an optimistic person. I want things, you know, I want a better world and then a world where people aren't abusive, you know, and, and like Sarver's reputation around the league is that um, he's difficult and that's the reputation. I don't know that to be true. I just saying that I can, I can legit because I'm a reporter, I'm a journalist among other things. And I talk to people, agents, other teams, other executives, players. This is what I, you know, everyone I've not everyone, but most people I've spoken to, have said that yeah he's difficult to work for but does that mean that he's done something horrible i have no idea what he's done just and needs to lose the team i think there's almost a zero chance he loses the team well there'll be some eggs and that's about it it might be low it might i i I, i'm a non-zero non-hundred percent guy like there is no zero and there's no hundred percent but it might be very it might be in the one percent range like you know i'm not going to say non it's zero like I don't know, but like, you know, either things are factual, either they're going to happen or they're not going to happen. That's, uh, but the range between that, that's hard to, you know, I, I have no idea what's, we'll yeah, find I out. can't even speculate. We'll find out soon enough. Eric, thank you so much. I know you got somewhere you got to go. I got somewhere I got to go. I appreciate you giving me 55 minutes of your time today mm-hmm. on a Wednesday morning. Thank you so much. Tell us where we can find you and tell us what you're working on coming up. Well, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Eric Pincus, E-R-I-C-P-I-N-C-U-S. You can see that on the screen. Uh, that's really the best kind of central hub. I mean, I'm all you know, I'm on different social medias and whatnot. Uh, I'm on Patreon. You can find me there, et cetera. But the main thing is find me on on uh, Twitter, and you can see my articles, uh, links to you know what I write on Bleach Report, which is covering the league nationally uh, from a generally from a salary cap math. Uh, rules perspective. Uh, usually, uh, like I'm, I'm writing on the messiest cap situations right now, so that's something I got to dig into. So, spoiler, you know, I'm not. Maybe I'm not supposed to say that. Maybe my editor will get upset. Uh, but there you have it. Uh, <laughs> we'll that's what I'm working on right now. Uh, and I, you know, I am. I, I work with uh, with uh, agents and and some teams and and some players and whatnot um, with some consulting, some strategy consulting. So that's something I'm looking to move into uh, on a full time basis. So we'll see that if that pans out yeah good luck with that um you've been a great great follow everybody find him at at eric pincus on twitter and and all your writing at at bleacher report i'm dave king folks if you don't know this already you can find me at brightsideofthesun.com that's the the sun's blog there and also this this podcast so thank you so much eric i appreciate your time today and we'll talk to everybody again soon before you go today right now 
Please make sure you're subscribed or following and getting notifications when new episodes are released. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, I'd really appreciate a five-star rating and a review if you've got the time. But at least that rating, that would really help me rebuild. Thank you. Talk to you next time.